Today, I'm going balls deep with Alex Barutha. We're looking at our recent auction mock draft, breaking down his team, looking at a few strategies of him and, and some other guys that were in the draft. Let's play. Welcome to the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantasy Basketball International. FBIBasketball.com is the website. At Adam King 91 on Twitter is where you will find me. As I said today, just going over our auction mock draft that we did uh, maybe a week ago. I think it, I think it was last weekend, my time. Um, I just thought I'd get someone who was in the draft in because I, while I hosted it, I wasn't actually in the draft. Uh, so I do have... Alex Brutha, who I will bring in. Alex, uh, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, good, good. Enjoying my weekend. Um, two more weeks of work till we head away on our trip. So I'm mentally checked out, I think, from work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have been for a few weeks. But um, yeah, getting closer. NBA season's getting closer as well. The World Cup, uh, we, were, we just touched on that. The US lost last night to Germany. Um, and we'll now play Canada in the bronze medal game, which I think will be fun. I think it'll be that sort of a matchup that we wanted to see because there's a lot of NBA talent. So despite them losing, are you excited to see that matchup? I am. Yeah. I mean, I, it's USA basketball is always kind of a mixed bag in terms of, you know, like now it's more so of the young up and coming USA guys, right. Uh, guys in the NBA, um, it's not how it used to be necessarily with a bunch of like the best, the best NBA players yeah. in the world. And so now it's not as shocking necessarily when they lose, but it's, it's great to see like the best young talent in the NBA go up against some of the best pure talent from other countries. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, as you said, it's not as shocking as it was years ago. Um, although I did see stuff coming out this morning that LeBron is now saying he wants to play in the Olympics next year. And, so, and of course, stuff like that's going to happen after they lose. Um, so do you think they'll go with that same mindset for the Olympics next year with young guys and, and keep a, a similar core to, to what they took um, to the World Cup? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, some of it depends. I mean, who who actually may be there might depend on what happens this, this NBA season, but it's just a lot of it is I don't think the the NBA veterans feel like they have anything to prove. They don't want to get hurt and hurt their title chances or, or anything like that. Yeah. So no, look, I mean, it's been a fun tournament. It's given us something to watch. Mm -hmm. I know for us over here, they've been, the games have been um, friendly in terms of when they're on um, starting sort of late afternoon, very similar to what you guys have when the NBA is on. Um, the only real, uh, before we jump into the, the auction draft, um, the, the first, I guess, significant injury of the preseason was Trey Murphy um, going in for knee surgery, probably going to be out till December, I would say. Um, is this, I mean, the only guy I guess we need to talk about here is maybe Herb Jones. Uh, do you think he gets a little bump? Uh, obviously, he'll he'll start. He was probably going to start anyway. But are you bumping up your rankings at all? Um, only marginally. Yeah. Partially because you know Jones and Murphy both benefited a lot from 
Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson missing a ton mm. of last season. I think it kind of got undercovered how much time Brandon Ingram actually actually missed. And so both of those guys will probably be better players next year, but their usage might go down and their minutes might go down. So I'm not, to me, it does almost nothing for, honestly, for Herb Jones, because I mean, for the first part of the season, first a month, a month and a half of the season, sure. But I don't even know if he'll be worth necessarily roster. Like, I feel like if you draft him, you, you might just end up dropping up the second Trey Murphy gets healthy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, last year, I think I drafted him in a couple of teams and had probably dropped him after a few weeks because he he wasn't doing much. Um, do you think Dyson Daniels, maybe? I mean, we're not drafting him, but do you think he gets a, a bit of an opportunity here for the first month or two months? I think he could. Um, you know, Jordan Hawkins didn't look that good, uh, their rookie in, in summer league, so I'm not really worried about that. Uh, but yeah, Daniels has the size to play on the wing. Good defender, great playmaker. Um, so I think it's possible he, he gets, uh, thrown in there for sure. But I, in deep leagues, uh, you know, I, I just, where I draft him inside the top 200, no, but, um, if, if you're in a deeper league, sure. And if you're in a keeper format, I think you'll get to see something at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And, and Alvarado's there as well. Um, he's going to see some minutes, so they like him there. Um, all right, let me bring up the draft uh, information so i've just i've just sort of made up some slides based on your team uh what number you picked that not that that's really relevant well maybe a little bit but uh and, and the bid so something we did notice so i hosted this with i think it was zach uh yeah, it was zach. on with me um so we were breaking it down as it went through and this was my f- first look at an auction draft um, and something I think we both sort of commented on throughout, and we'll, we'll see this as we work through your picks, was that you really you didn't go top heavy like a few few managers did. Um, you and your first pick wasn't until pick nineteen, so we'd gone through sort of a round and a half before you before you made a bid um, or, or a successful bid. Um, and if we look through your roster as we work through, you've got you've sort of gone for depth over high end talent. Um, over the stars and scrubs approach, I suppose. Is that sort of a conscious something that you do consciously going into a, a draft like this? Uh, it is. Yeah. I, um, I've been drafting that way in auctions. I think the very first auction I ever did was a little top heavy, but I still don't think I had any buggy like better than uh late first or, you know, high second round kind of pick. And I feel like since then, I, I, I just like to go balanced. Um, from uh, an injury insurance standpoint, from a roster flexibility standpoint, from a, we'll get into this more, but just like games, mm-hmm. maximizing games played standpoint. Uh, but yeah, I, I draft almost, I mean, every auction I do, I draft, I try to go balanced. Yeah. And, and then if we look at someone and, and I, this comes to mind, cause I, it was only a week ago. I do remember Mitch Casey went the opposite uh, in terms of his strategy. He, he took Nicole Jokic, Chet Holmgren and, Tyrese Halliburton in basically in the first round, if, if we're looking at it that way. So he he took them inside the first 13 picks and then basically just vanished for an hour. So um, <laughs> he had had a big night the night before at a wedding. So I, I did okay. say perhaps that was a strategy to get in a little nap uh, before the end of the draft. Um, 
so yeah, it, it is very interesting, and and I I really enjoyed watching it. And then I went and did a an auction draft with Josh Lloyd during the week, and walked out of that with about thirty dollars left. So I didn't manage my budget <laughs> very well, but I went I went a similar sort of similar idea in that I didn't go top heavy. So your first pick uh, was Jalen Brunson, who you got for twenty dollars. Um, which I think, like again, having never done this, I my gauge on whether this is a good price or a bad price. But twenty dollars feels pretty good for a guy that could be a top thirty or a top twenty-five best case. But um, I think twenty dollars felt like a really solid opening player to get. Yeah, I think, um, like you mentioned, I usually i I try to let the draft come to me um, in a way. Like I still have the guys that I want. I price and force here and there. Like um, I was surprised when I got Brunson at 20. I I was just kind of price and forcing him. I mean, he's a guy who's on my short list. I like drafting him. He's a number one option. He's a point. He's, he's like you mentioned, he was fantastic last year. Um, and I was, I was really happy to get him at 20 bucks. I felt like it was a good foundation for my team. Uh, and someone that again, has um, a, a really high floor. Maybe doesn't have, you know, doesn't have like a superstar ceiling or anything, but a really yeah. high floor point guard. And I think so. Like this was at pick nineteen, so we'd been through um, we'd been through like yeah, basically twenty players. And something I noticed in this one and in Josh's as well, and and I think this it makes sense that people try to get money off the board early. So a lot of these superstars go off the board in the first 12, 15, 20 picks. Um, and if I go through here, we had Lillard was gone, Shea, Jokic, Holmgren and Bede, Wembenyama, Anthony Edwards, Cade Cunningham, Doncic, McCall Bridges, Halliburton, Tatum, Jaron Jackson, Steph Curry, Giannis had all gone off the board. So by the time you sort of made your bid here, people were probably trying to pull back on spending money a little bit. Is that like there's obviously ebbs and flows. Is this yeah. sort of something that we will see? commonly that all this money will go off the board quickly and then everyone takes the sort of a step back and just waits to see what happens. So I would say it really depends on who you're drafting with. I would say if you're drafting against more casual players, the money comes off the board faster. Um, I'm in a few expert auction leagues, like our one of our big Rotowire leagues is an auction. It's 16 teams, obviously really competitive. And everybody's a lot of people are using our projection, so yeah. everyone's everyone's really trying to like underpay for players. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I would I would say the sort of higher relative skill level of the drafters, um, the more the more slowly the money comes off the board. So you then waited a little bit again, and and pick thirty five. You got Pascal Siakam for thirty one dollars, which again I think feels pretty good. He he's going relatively high this season. Um, he's I've seen him sort of going back into the second round, which is interesting because he was he was I think he was around top forty last season. So I guess everyone is just counting on the fact that Fred Van Fleet isn't there anymore, and Siakam, Scotty Barnes, they're going to be doing a bit more. Uh, $31 for probably a guy with, I guess, a similar range to Brunson. Maybe yeah. maybe his ceiling is a little bit higher, um, but $11 more. Do you still feel okay with the $31? I think 
So I think relatively speaking, it's an overpay if you compare him directly to Brunson. But I think it's hard for me to say if Brunson is more of a value or if Siakam is more of an overpay. Like they should probably both be like $25 players. Um, So in the aggregate, I think, I think that's about like the way I, the way that I sort of valued this draft and the way that I similarly valued the draft that you were referring to that we did with Josh Lloyd is to me, a $30 player, or I should, I should phrase this differently. A player with like second to third round upside is roughly like a 25 to $35 player. Um, so anywhere in that range to me is fine. And yeah. if I can get a guy that I think has second round upside for less than $30, I'm like, this is great. Um, I went a little over for Siakam, but I, like you mentioned, all of these sort of trend, the, all the, there are a lot of indicators for a guy like him to have a great season. Yeah. And I think, I mean, once you get, this is, this is a very small sample size of your team. It's only two players. I think if you then went and look back at your team, yes, you, and, and this would be the same for most people in an auction draft. You probably overpay for a couple of guys that you really yep. want or, or in the moment you were, they really fit um, what you're looking for. But then there'll be guys that you'll get at the back end of the draft mm-hmm. and even someone like Jalen Brunson who you get um, underpriced. So it, it balances out, I think. Uh, if we go to your next bid at 43, Lowry, again, very similar range. Um, yep like top 20 best case, probably floor is top 30, top 35, $27 at pick 43 for Lowry Markinen. Um I guess it's just a rinse and repeat for what you said around about the other two guys. It is. I mean, that's, that's uh, I, it, my draft strategy is a little, it's a lot of rinse and repeat. It's all guys who have these same sort of like ranges at the, at the top um, marketing the number one option on his team, just like Siakam is just like Jalen Brunson is a guy that has proven to be able to be a second round player before. And there's no reason to suggest he should take a, a significant step back other than just like kind of general fluctuations and like efficiency and whatnot. Then you went uh, pick 53, $14 on Cam Johnson. So someone who, who probably doesn't have the ceiling of your first three picks, but still is going to have a, a very solid role in Brooklyn this year. We saw him put up top 50 value down the stretch last year. Um, and for fourteen dollars, like I'm pretty high on on Cam Johnson. He didn't didn't get as many minutes as I thought he might in the World Cup. Um, seemed to be a lot of vision of him on the bench, not on the court. Uh, but what are your thoughts for him this this season? And and the fourteen dollars to me is a bargain. Yeah, I mean, I I have some conflicting feelings about Cam Johnson. Like I don't think his ceiling is particularly high because mm. I think he is mostly just. Yeah, I think he's just mostly a scorer. Um, especially a three-point guy. Obviously, that's his, that's his specialty. But I will say he's a bit of an underrated athlete, and I think he can pass a little better than he's shown before. He's played really well in the playoffs for Brooklyn. I think that was good, uh, even though, like you mentioned, he's not getting a, a lot of run of the World Cup or anything. But at $14, yeah, for a guy who was a, showed top 50 upside, and even before he got traded to Brooklyn was showing like top 75 upside. He was about, um, you know, if you count the games that he was healthy for the for the Suns, he was like between 90 and 75, depending on eight cat or nine cat. And um, this year he projects to be, depends what you think about Spencer Dinwiddie and Ben Simmons and, and kind of how you approach that situation. But there's a chance Cam Johnson is the number two scorer on the Mets. 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he could be. And and sneaky defensive stats as well. So he, he'll get you 1.2 steals, which is not nothing. It's uh, it's above average. So if you are looking for sort of a forward that can give you some more traditional guard stats, at least in, in the defensive end, um, yeah, I like Cam Johnson. So really like the team so far. Um, another rinse and repeat guy, Darius Garland, uh, mm-hmm. $27 at pick 54. He's another guy that's probably got, I think he's upside of all the guys you picked. I think his upside is the highest. I'm not sure he reaches it this year uh, or as long as Donovan Mitchell is there. But last year, I think, I mean, if you, if you look at him last year, he sort of, when they signed Donovan Mitchell, I think people soured on him a little bit, but, and I think if you, if you spoke to sort of the general fan, they'd sort of say, oh, yeah, look, Garland was pretty good last year. It was probably a bit underwhelming. Um, and I'm just pulling up his numbers because I know I had him on a couple of teams last year and he still ended. Uh, so he was still a top 50 player last season. Um, 7.8 assists, 1.2 steals, 21 points. I think he can only go up this season. So I, I think he'll be top 40, top 30, very similar to those guys that you've picked. Yeah, really high floor guy as the lead point guard in the Cavs. And like you mentioned, his, his ceiling is capped when Donovan Mitchell is there. And even when Donovan Mitchell misses games, they're just going to plug Karis LeVert in there. And LeVert's mm-hmm. a, a relatively high usage guy. But um, yeah, Garland just being a proven like 20 to 25 points, 5 to 10 assists on a given night, pretty efficient. Um, I just, it's... I'm not really going to – I think you could draft Darius Garland in a in like a redraft standard snake. If you drafted him like 25th, I'd be like, sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's sort of as high as you want to go, but then he might fall to the mid-30s in some drafts as well. Um, Scotty Barnes next at pick 59 for $14. This one I think is, is a, one of the bargain picks that you got. Um, and I think – I have a feeling when we were doing the – draft maybe this one when when you got him for 14 i think both zach and i were a bit i don't know shocked is the right word but we went oh that that's a good price like we he, he sort of slipped a bit i'm not I, to be honest i'm not even that high on scotty barnes i i don't think his shot is ever i don't think he's ever going to become a shooter um i am not even 100 percent convinced that he is capable of being like the lead playmaker that toronto hopes he is but he's so good at everything else like He's a great rebounder and he is a good passer um, and he's good on defense and um, they're going to at least, I think, give him the opportunity to become the lead playmaker for the Raptors. Now they signed Dennis Schroeder, whether that ends up being, I think, I think how much Dennis Schroeder plays and how much usage he has depends on how ready Scotty Barnes is to take over as a, as a playmaker. Um, so I actually think, I, I don't think I did this. I don't think I got Schroeder. But I think you could actually handcuff and pair these guys together. You could draft Barnes and then late in a draft, you could draft Schroeder as sort of um, uh, a security blanket, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, Schroeder's going undrafted in a lot of spots. So he's he's typically available um, after sort of pick 120, 130. Um, and just looking through, and, and I noticed this last night when I was putting the slides together, having a look at, at your picks that you made you and i don't know whether this was a conscious thing but you seem to pick in bunches so you would have like a where you would have three picks within around 10 spots 
and then not pick again for a while? And then is that something that was uh, is part of a strategy or, or it's just pure coincidence? It So it's a little bit of both. It kind of just seems to happen naturally to me, and I'm not really sure why. But also a really important part of uh, drafting and auctions, which you sort of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, was the ebbs and flows of, a, uh, of an auction draft where – Money will go off the board uh, in waves, and then it'll, it'll slow down. Um, I think the key to building a balanced team, or one of the keys to building a balanced team, is understanding what the upside of the players left on the board is. So for me, I'm targeting guys around who have like second to third round upside at the most. And to me, those are like $25 to $35 players. Um, if I start to see those players coming off the board a lot, or I feel like those players are starting to dry up, I realize like I have to, I have to get one of these guys because otherwise I'm going to have too much money left over at the end. Um, there was an instance of this when we were doing the, uh, auction mock, uh, Josh Lloyd's auction mock, where I think I was averaging out for the rest of my team. It was late in the draft. I was averaging out like I want to spend like around $14 average for the rest of my guys or whatever. But I, the only guy on the board that I thought had like fifth round upside left was Tyrese Maxey, or maybe it was Franz mm -hmm. Wagner. One of the two, it was the only guy left on the board. And I was like, I just have to get this guy uh, because there's no one else on my board that has the sort of upside that I need or want for this balance bill to even make sense. So relatively speaking, it was an overpay. I paid a bunch of money for him, way more than I wanted to. But you got to just get the you at some point. You got to get them, uh, get those guys, or they just disappear. So you have to sort of balance your spending in a way um, to where you don't end up with a bunch of money left on the board, which can very easily happen if you build a balanced team, and that's the main thing you have to worry about. Yeah, look, I in that that Josh draft. I ended up with a lot of money and, and I and that's something that I figured out once I'd done it. I, you have to, if there's guys you want, don't be afraid to slightly overpay to get them because once you get towards that back end, like after pick 100, there's so much value. Like there's guys for $2. So mm -hmm. you look at your average spend. Oh, I've only got uh, $11 left to spend per player, so I don't really want to go more than about 13 But you could go to 20 quite easily because you're going to get some guys late. So there were a couple of players there that were on my list that early in the draft, they got a little bit high, but then in hindsight, I, I could have gone a lot harder on them. So um, it, it is all about learning what was for me. Miles Bridges was your next, uh, next guy that you got at pick 80 for $6. This one was, was a bargain as well, I think. And, and, probably slipped under the radar. Obviously, people are going to have differing opinions on Bridges because of the off-court stuff, and, and that's completely fine. And whether we, whether you want to draft him or not, that's personal choice. But in terms of pure fantasy, this one could be a really nice pickup. Yeah, I actually think – so I got him at pick 80, which I actually think is an appropriate spot in a snake draft to grab him yeah. as well. Um, a guy we've seen have uh, a huge upside. He's going to miss the first 10 games of the year. You make that into your rankings or whatever. But I just, I think even after that, even if he, you know, Charlotte doesn't seem especially committed to him, which is completely understandable. And he didn't play basketball for an entire year. Yeah. Um, but I think even if he sees 
only 25 minutes a game that he still has top 80 upside. So even if you're, even if you think he's going to be a bit marginalized in the offense, I still think he has the sort of upside to return top 80 value if his if he's playing like 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't. Yeah, that that that's the uncertainty there. We don't know how they're going to use him this season. Um, are they invested in him? Are they just sort of keeping him around for a season? Then he's going to walk and end up somewhere else if if someone will pay him. So we don't know. So yeah, pick pick eighty as you said in a snake draft feels about right as well. Um, and for six dollars, you just you'd pay it and you wait and see because he could be he could be one of those guys that you've you've drafted early who have top twenty five upside. $20 player, $22 player. He could very easily fall into that category. Uh, Jared Allen at pick 89 for $16. Uh, so just, I, I guess, shoring up your uh, your center spot here, like getting getting someone who can get some blocks. Because if we if we go through your team to this point, you don't really have a shot blocker. Um, so, uh, and, and Jared Allen for $16 feels okay to me. I, I don't... I don't think it's a bargain as such, but but I think it's a fine price uh, for a shot blocker. It's more than I wanted to pay, but I I just I needed a center. I yeah. I, I don't think I had anybody that qualified as center um, in on fan tracks at this point in the draft, and so yeah, I just needed one. And again, I this is more than I wanted to pay, but I evaluated the rest of the options on the board, the rest of the centers available, and I thought that if I don't get Allen. Uh, then my options, I may as well just like draft four centers with $1 at the end of the draft because I, the rest of the guys have, uh, are just kind of shots in the dark. Yeah. So if, I'm just having a look at, at sort of in that range. So Brooke Lopez went, um, the pick before you took Jared Allen. Uh, then we had a little bit of a break, but then we had guys like Clint Capella, Jakob Pertle, Robert Williams, Dan Gafford. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, sort of all going in the next 20 picks. Would you have considered any of those guys? Like, I guess Gafford jumps or yep. springs to mind as, as a guy you could have got. Uh, although in saying that, he went for $16 as well. So people are, at this point in the draft, if you need blocks, you're going to have to pay up to get them. Yeah, I can't remember if I was in on the Gafford Bidding, I probably was. Um, yeah. I would have paid. I would be willing to pay around the same price for for Jared Allen, Mitchell Robinson. I know was a guy I was I was vaguely interested in um, because I thought I might be able to get him at a discount. Um, I'm trying to see where he what he went for five dollars to reclean. I think that's great value. Yeah. Um, but one one thing I actually I prefer to get centers who I think have like who have the ability to scale up within the offense who like aren't just pick and roll guys or aren't just lob guys. I prefer to get a center where if someone on the team is out, some more usage can actually funnel to a specific center, which is yep. uh, something that the position actually doesn't have very much of. Allen is kind of, he's not really that guy, but they do feature him in the offense a decent amount. But again, part of it was just the way the draft was, was panning out. So you went with another – well, he's probably centre eligible on fan tracks. He's, he's probably not going to play much centre this year. But uh, John Collins, um, now in Utah, couldn't find a Utah photo of him um, yet. That's so okay. threw an Atlanta one up. Uh, you got him at pick 95 for $5. Um, I think people are a little bit uncertain about him. He's had – I mean, he was terrible last year. Uh, he, he looked better down the stretch last year. I think 
he had that weird finger thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked pretty gnarly. So I think that impacted a lot of his offensive game. If that's fixed, uh, he's probably going to start in Utah. I feel like the pressure's off him now. He, he seemed to always have people on his back in, in Atlanta and there was always the constant trade rumours and, and rumours of his relationship with Trey Young not being a positive one. So with all of that behind him, I think he's just going to come out and try and prove people wrong. So I think getting John Collins for $5, that that feels like a bargain as well. Yeah, I think you could put Collins and Miles Bridges in the same, same category as like upside flyers um, for very different reasons. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm a John Collins believer. Um, yeah, I think you have to take the finger thing into account from last year. He shot better towards the end of the year once that injury kind of um, uh, subsided. And I do think they will start him. And I think he will probably play about 30 minutes a game. And I think Utah now is showing a good like ability to develop players or uh, basically like take players who other teams have abandoned and kind of prove their real upside. Uh, Markinen is a fantastic example of this. I'm not sure how many teams would have given Kessler 30 minutes a game at the end of the year. I know they were kind of tanking, right? Taylor Horton Tucker at the end of the year, um, they were willing to give a chance on. And so Collins to me, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like his floor in this situation is like, 80 to 90. And to me, I would be actually surprised if he played that poorly um, or saw uh, only like 25 minutes a game or something. Yeah, I think they're going to use him a lot. I think he makes sense in that offense. Um, Tyrese Maxey, you got uh, three picks later for $17. It's probably, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot depends on the James Harden thing here with Tyrese Maxey. If, if Harden's there, then maybe this is an overpay slightly, but if Harden's not there, then this could be an underpay. I think this was a point. I think this is what I was thinking of before. I think I kind of sweat this pick out. This is an overpay, uh, but I think I realized like, oh, I, I have too much money left. There's a limited number of players with Maxi's upside, so I just got to get him. And if you look at if you look at the, the way the rest of the draft played out, he was... Uh, no, after my maxi pick at $17, nobody else went for $17. That was yeah. the highest pick after that. And there were only two other players, the rest of the draft that went for double digit money. Yeah. One of them was Gafford and one of them was Fultz, which are great pickups at, at 16 and $10 respectively. So that's where I was at at the draft where I realized I just got to make sure I get this guy. Yeah. So I think if for anyone heading into a, I mean, this is obviously, as, as I said, it's, it's a small sample size. It's one draft, but if you, if you do have a look, you could, I guess, broadly say that after pick 100, you're generally not going to have to spend more than $10 to get any player. So if you're looking at your budget and what you've got left and average spend at pick 80 and your average spend is $13, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I can probably go to 20 here and I'll be fine um, because that is when the value, because you've got all these guys that blew their money early and they can't afford to spend more than about $3 or $4. So uh after maxi we got so these are all as we've alluded to all under ten dollars uh spencer dinwiddie for four dollars at pick 100 um we're assuming he's going to start uh he's he had some crazy numbers down the stretch last season he had really high assists in a few games I, i remember that um 
he's got. I mean, he's got the concerns that we've had with him forever are still there. Efficiency, um, sort of one dimensional, doesn't do a lot on the defensive end. But at pick a hundred and for four dollars, a guy that's going to start and score, get some assists. Um, again, I think this is really good value. Yeah, he's the he's the lead playmaker for the Nets. I don't think he'll average like ten assists a game, basically like he did uh, no. when he joined the Nets. Um, and I actually think this is another good situation for to handcuff. Uh, handcuff. You can get Dinwiddie, and I think you could also draft Ben Simmons, and um, and I you kind of get some insurance there. Um, I will say, you know, go be, going to back to our our point that we made before about um, waiting in a draft till pick one hundred or realizing there might not be value at a certain point. You also have to be there's there is some uh, if you wait too long. So sometimes in a draft. Like I, th- I think it was in this one, but there was also people in Josh's where there's usually two to I would say two to three, maybe upwards of four people in a draft who are waiting a long time for their picks mm-hmm. and building a balanced team. And they're all all of them are thinking, I'm going to wait until whatever pick range, 70 to 100, and then we're going to fire off all these picks and get great value. The problem is if you wait until the same time as those four other people, you are just competing against them and none of you will get value. So you have to dodge those people as well. And so yeah. sometimes that happens in a draft. I just wanted to throw that out there because I, I thought of it. Um, but yeah, those are all my thoughts on did. No, no, that's true. I, I noticed that in Josh's draft because, because I was in that one that, yeah, you sort of get to a point you go, I think I'm going to get, I can get some value here. But then there'll be three or four guys, as you said, those ones that have held off and you've all got exactly the same idea. So there will be, a, and and you're all, want, and, and it it could be someone like um, uh, like a shot blocker, like you, you, we really need this guy because of, of his upside on that, uh, on that end of the court. And he ends up going for too much because there's yep. four guys bidding. So, um, yeah, definitely beware of that. Anthony Simons, you got for $8. Uh, I pick 112. A little bit like Maxi, the probably yeah. in terms of whether whether Lillard is there. Uh, I do feel as though in both of these instances, Lillard hate uh, Lillard and Harden that if if neither of them are traded before the start of the season, I feel like Lillard will play. Um, look, yes. I, I don't think he he's in a position or mentally or with the team where he would refuse to play or anything like that. There doesn't seem to be any animosity between him and and there shouldn't be. I mean, he's given he's given Portland basically his entire career, everything he's got. So I think that there's a little bit of risk here if if Lillard isn't traded. In saying that, I still think Simon starts. Do you think he starts whether Lillard's there or not? I think he starts. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say what they're going to do. I mean, I think they'll probably start. Uh, I mean, I assume they'll start Lillard, Simons, Grant, Nurkic. The question is whether they're going to start, I think, Sharp or Scoot. Um, and to me, it, it to me, it makes the most sense to bring Scoot off the bench as like a yeah. sixth man, run the offense, that whole thing, because him and Lillard. I mean, Lillard can play a little more shooting guard if he had to. I mean, he's he's a much better scorer than he is passer. Um, but I assume no matter what, Simons will start. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I've got him in a dynasty, so I'm hoping he does. Um, 
So we're getting towards the back end. I think these are your last two picks now. Um, pick 113. So as you alluded to earlier, you didn't have a lot of centre depth when you took Jared Allen. So you've sort of rounded off your draft here with two centre-eligible players who, I, I, look, I think both in terms of their fantasy value, they're probably both overlooked consistently. Um, Wendell Carter, you got for $5 at pick 113. He's going to start. Um, he doesn't get a lot of blocks, which I guess is the the downside. He did translate quite well from college. I talked with Josh about this. Um, hasn't hasn't sort of turned into that defensive player we thought he might be, but he does have the ability to stretch the floor, unlike a Jared Allen or a Walker Kessler or those guys. His offensive game, he has some versatility, so he can score from multiple positions on the court. He's still a good defender. He just doesn't get a lot of defensive numbers. So Carter for five dollars for me is a guy that's that's going underdrafted in in any format, really. Yeah, the numbers can be a little underwhelming, but he he goes through hot stretches at points. He was dealing with uh, I think it was plantar fasciitis last year, so he was kind of in and out. He is an injury prone guy, um, yeah. which is something you have to be concerned about. Which I think as his value has slipped down in combination of him being viewed as like a soft bust compared to where he was drafted. The magic yeah. don't get a lot of coverage a lot more so these days, but this, a lot of this is just banking on like, he's a really again, a high floor guy. Um, you mentioned he's very, he's a very good defender. He's a really cerebral player. He lets the game come to him. He's a smart guy. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, and those guys stay on the floor um, and they, and they make good things happen. And there's going to be some games or Wendell Carter, eight points, seven rebounds, two assists, no blocks. But there's going to be yeah. other games where the matchup is just right and he gets a little hot and he's going to, you know, 20 points, 13 rebounds, four assists. It's not going to happen a ton, but for $5 at, at pick 113 in this auction, it's like I'm completely fine with that. And the team around him is getting better. Like the Magic mm-hmm. are improving. He's getting um, more talent on the floor. So in in theory, potentially, like he gets more open looks. He gets... Um, a better feel playing with these really, I mean, they've got a good young core of guards now. So um, that could certainly help him. Yusuf Nurkic, pick 125 for $6. Much like Carter, he's going to start. Um, very little competition for minutes. He he is injury prone as well. Um, we, we see him go down with yeah. all sorts of things. That's the concern. That is why he, he tends to fall in drafts. But he could easily be a double-double. Um, not again, not a big shot blocker, but sneaky steals numbers. So he could be close to a block and a steal again. Um, 14 points, 11 rebounds, relatively efficient. He's up and down from the free throw line. He has periods where he'll go 80%, 85, and then he'll go 50% for a week. So, right. But for $6 at the back end of a draft, he's a really solid center to pick up. Right. So this was a one center league. So I got Jared Allen as my starter. So I yep. think if you're thinking like, I think. Wendell Carter Jr. and Yusuf Nurkic, if those are your second and your third centers in a one-center league, you're like, I shouldn't have to pick up a center off the waiver wire at any point in the year. Um, Because even, even, you know, Carter and Nurkic, they get hurt. Like, that's part of the injury concern. But if they're not your number one guy, it doesn't really matter because hopefully, and chances are one of them will be healthy uh, if if Jared Allen is hurt. Um, And if they're on a four-game week, you can flex them into a utility spot. They're going to be pretty productive. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you look at your build, 
you're you're probably going to be end up punting blocks because you've only really yeah. got one guy that blocks shots, and that's Jared Allen. And, and he's not a he's not an over two blocks per game guy. He's he's more like one and a half. But if like last last year, I think it was last year, Jared Allen, excuse me, Jared Allen started on fire. He was like mm. top thirty player. So even if if that repeats and, and he starts this year as a um, a top fifty guy, you trade him away. <clears throat> sure, cash in on that blocks value and, and pick up another center um, who doesn't rely on that as much. So so there's some flexibility here. Um, but no, look, I, I think that was a good a good um, snapshot or, or a good uh, talking discussion about your strategy. So uh, like a not a, not the stars and scrubs strategy. It would be I might look at getting Mitch on um, to to have a chat with him about his his strategy. And I have a feeling there was someone else uh, who went quite early. Uh, Raf. Raf, yeah. I think. Yeah, there are always a few people. I would say I would say if you're in a tw- probably a 12-team league, three people usually are kind of going stars and scrubs. Three people are trying to go balanced, and everyone else kind of falls somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of how it, it, the, the distribution is. Yeah, and and uh, Alex Reclean actually did as well. He took Zion, Zion Shea, and uh, and Giannis quite early. Then Sabonis. So he so he got four guys, and as did Raf. Um, so yeah, there is there is I think, and that's the advantage of the auction draft um, mm-hmm. is that you can people will have different strategies. Um, I found it, even though I, I probably messed up my draft a little bit. Uh, in terms of having money left, I like punting. I found it really easy in an auction draft to build a punt, like to build a, a team around a certain punt build, um, mm. because you can just you can make a list of guys you want and you can target them. Whereas in a snake draft, you don't have that flexibility. Right. Otherwise, I think in a snake draft, you're sort of consciously you're worried about reaching too far, yeah. and in an auction draft, you're not really necessarily worried about reaching. Yes, you're worried about overpaying. But it's a lot easier for you if you have that list of guys you're uh, that you want and your your sort of punt values. If you're using a projection system, it's a lot easier for you to say, "Yeah, I'll just I'll overpay a little bit because he he fits my bill." Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. Well, I know we're gonna. Well, I'm hoping to do a few more auction drafts before the the season starts. But even real drafts, we're we're turning a few of our leagues from snake draft into auction draft. So. Um, does require a little bit more time. The draft went for two and a half hours, yeah. two and a quarter hours. So you do need a bit more time, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I think Josh talked about this, um, whether it was on his show or when he was doing something, the like pinnacle for our home league this year is going to be an auction draft with all of us in the same room at the same time, yeah. having a few beers. Like that. that's going to be, there'll be a lot of banter. Um a lot of sledging, that sort of thing. Yeah. So is that something you do with any of your leagues or, or are they all online? I, I haven't yet, but I would I would love that. Another thing I want to do, I don't know if any sites actually allow this, but I think it would be fun to do in a, um, it could be fun to do in real life too as a blind auction um, where okay. you all write down on a piece of paper what you want to bid and you, you know, you, you turn it over or whatever and then you all reveal it and whoever, uh, you know, whoever has uh wanting yeah. to pay the most either gets them for that much or gets them for the second uh the person who bid the second most so yeah. that would be correct i've never heard of any league really doing that and i don't know if any sites actually offer that but that's something i think would be fun as well 
And it'd be fun. You could easily set it up if you were, if you could do it, um, whether it's face to face or on Zoom or on some sort of a, a video chat, because you could do it that way just manually. So have yep. someone with the players, and we go, okay, now this player put in your bid, next player put in your bid, and everyone just holds it up to the camera or yells it out or, or whatever it is. Yeah. So it would be interesting um, to see what some players go for. Um, all right, that'll do it, I think. I've kept you long enough. Uh, before I let you go, what's happening at RotoWire? Um, I know you're busy, but what what's on the plan for the next, uh, what have we got, six weeks till the start of the season? Yeah, more uh, more mock, uh, mock drafts coming. Um, we haven't done an official auction mock for RotoWire, so I think that will probably come soon enough. But Right now, we're just pumping out articles. We're getting through previews and tiers and sleepers and that kind of a thing. So if you check the Rotowire uh, basketball front page, you'll see the articles have been uh, have been churning out. So we're at that point right now. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, taking some time out of your evening. That will do it for today's show. Remember, you can check out all of our content, uh, including our Discord server over at fbibasketball.com. Follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Love it if you could give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.